0: Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. Thank you for joining us. The following episode was recorded live during our Sunday service. Sermon notes can be found online at grace417.com. So I have a really awesome announcement today. That your interim pastor is going to be John Rusk. And we got his picture, I think we can put up here. And so I cannot tell you how excited I am that Sam has appointed John as your interim pastor. Uh, Our last Sunday here is going to be uh, the 15th, uh, so two weeks from today. Um, If you're a guest here or new or you haven't been on our email list, um, I've accepted a position as a missions pastor at a church in, in San Antonio, Texas, and uh, so that'll be our last Sunday missions conference, uh, focused on Columbia, which is where um, my missions—the uh, next season of my missions ministry—is going to be focused. So it just. The Lord set all of that up. Uh, John is going to be here uh, that morning and then he'll be here the weeks after that. So he's going to be here to help pray over us and send us out. And so if you don't know, if you don't know John, he may look familiar. He was the first speaker of the sabbatical this summer. He is one of the founding pastors of this church. Uh, of uh, 30-something years ago, he came with a team from Arizona, and they planted this church. Um, the lead pastor at the time, his name was Richard Castile. He left and went back to Arizona, and then John pastored the church for three or four years. And, uh, and he's the one that allocated, he's the one that, that helped purchase this property that we're on uh, to get the church here. He loves you guys. He is kind of like the grandpa of the church. Um, he's uh, We're all here to some degree, because of him. And uh, he's, a, he's a, like a pastor emeritus. I mean, he loves, he loves you guys. He, uh, he's one of our missionaries. He went from here to the mission field. He's one of the missionaries we support. He comes here at least once a year. So it's, it's good. This is a really good thing. This was my hope, my prayer, my desire. I didn't know if he would be able to do it. Um, in June, uh, his wife, Deb, was diagnosed with cancer. And, uh, and the Lord had, I felt like the Lord had laid him on my heart to be the interim pastor. I submitted that to Sam. I said, Sam, I think John would be perfect, but I don't see how it's possible because he lives in Amarillo. And so Sam and I reached out to him and it was kind of one of those conversations of, you know, I know this probably isn't going to work and I know this probably won't happen, but I, I don't want to make a decision for you. I at least need to talk to you about this. And, and he said, well, let me pray about it. And so they've prayed about it, and they're going to go for it. Um, he's going to be here on the weekends, about three out of four weekends a month, and we'll have some other speakers lined up. Uh, he won't be running the day-to-day operations of the church. The staff will be. They've proven they can do that well. So they'll be running the, the, the uh, day-to-day operations of the church. Our, our small group leaders um, will be uh, taking care of, the, of the, their small groups. We have a pastoral care team uh, that will be taking care of that. But John will be here on most weekends to speak. Uh, To provide that pastoral covering, and the Lord is going to use him greatly. I was visiting with him yesterday, and he has such a heart to get here to help um, uh, steady the ship um, in this in-between season and the season of transition. Uh, He, because he's a missionary, he said what the church is, what it's going through. He said it's like you're leaving one country and your passport's been stamped, and you know you're headed to a new place, but you haven't quite got there yet, and you're in this in-between time. And so he's going to be here to help guide you guys, to help lead you, to help resource you, to help prepare you for this next season that God has for this church. That's going to be great. And so I just want to encourage you to receive John, to love John. Um, to, he has so much to offer, and uh, he is going to be a great blessing to you. And it's a and so I'm, I'm just thrilled uh, to be able to announce this morning that he is our, your interim pastor uh, for uh, the next three months. So can you guys just thank the Lord that he's doing that? Yeah. We're, we're so thankful, Lord. You guys are getting the best. You really are. You're getting the best. And, but pray for them. Uh, pray for Deb. Uh, pray for John. It's a big commitment to come from Amarillo, Texas every weekend. And uh, but he's he's he wants to do it. He loves you guys. He wants to help with this transition. So such a blessing. Oh, you turn in your Bibles to uh, John chapter thirteen. Um, what I'm going to be talking about is is Jesus's last evening with his disciples. Um, John is the only book that really records in length what occurred. Um, on that last night. And, and as I've been preparing for my last few weeks here, my last few times with you, just asking the Lord, what would He want me to share? I, I felt drawn to this passage that I'm not saying I'm Jesus, okay? Like, uh, you just get that. But uh, you're like, yeah, we don't, you don't need to remind us, Jay. <laughs> um, but He is our example, isn't He? He's the great shepherd. And if the great shepherd made sure that His sheep, um, learned a few things, heard a few things before he left, then I think it'd be fitting that an under-shepherd would take the same pattern, would take the same model, and would share some of the things that Jesus shared with his disciples uh, before he left them. And, and, you know, you think about, you know, we don't always know the last time we have with somebody. We don't always know the last time that that we're going to be present, that something is going to happen. And the disciples didn't fully understand what was going on. Jesus knew He knew he was headed to the cross. He knew what was going to happen, and he was trying to explain it to him. He was trying to lay it out for him, but they just didn't quite grasp it. And I would think on the last night that he was with them, I would think there would be something pretty spectacular that Jesus would do. I would think there would be some amazing metaphor that he would share, because he was great at metaphors, some amazing miracle that would woo and wow them. This last big memory of Jesus, I mean, that's pull out the fireworks, Jesus. But that's not what he did. Almost the opposite approach. He begins by serving them, by washing their feet. And he ends the evening by praying to the Father, by serving and by praying. And in between, he shares his heart with them. And so what I'm going to do is, and there's no way I could cover all of it. It'd be impossible. But there's a few themes that I see Jesus talk about and that we see him model. And I just want to pull some of these themes out for you this morning. The first one is is serve. He models servanthood. He models what it means to serve. John chapter 13, verse 12 through 17, it says, when he had finished washing their feet. So Jesus washed their feet. and, And this this action doesn't translate well to our culture. Um, we don't grab the significance of it. Um, think about um, walking on roads in sandals that are dirt roads that donkeys and horses and cows and sheep have walking in front of you. You getting the picture? Can you smell it? Yeah, exactly. But it was a job of the servant, of a lowly servant, the lowest servant, to wash the guest feet when they would arrive, so that the smell didn't linger. It was the custom. But these guys, there was no servant there. They were gathered together for their last meal. They had collected the food themselves. These were just a bunch of guys. There wasn't a household that had servants, it was a bunch of guys. And Jesus sees the smells, acknowledges that the feet haven't been washed. And so he assumes the posture of servant, master of the universe, creator of all things, takes this position. And this is, this is what he says. He says, he says he puts, after he finished, he put his clothes on he, so that things got back to normal, so to speak. And he goes, do you guys get what I just did for you? Can you comprehend? Could you understand what I've just done? He says, you call me teacher. You call me rabbi. You call me Lord, and, and that those are true, rightly so, because I am Lord, I am Rabbi, I am Teacher. He's acknowledging his identity of who he is. Verse 14, now that I, your Lord and Teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And isn't that what we're really called to be and to do? That what we've experienced Jesus do to us and for us, that then we go and we extend that to others around us? That as Jesus has loved us, has served us, has forgiven us, has restored us, that we in turn take that same heart and same attitude and we serve and we love and we give those around to those around us because I verse 15, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master. Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And here Jesus reminds us that ultimately we're simply servants. That's our place. Our place is a servant's quarters. Our place isn't first, our place is last. That we are called to serve. That Jesus begins the night on his knees, washing the feet of his disciples. And I don't know if you've ever had your feet washed or you've ever washed feet, even though it doesn't translate well in our culture, there's still something special about it. There's something very humbling about it. There's something that is very makes you very vulnerable. And Jesus is saying, this is how I lived. This is what I want you to remember. I don't want you to remember Rabbi, Lord. I want you to remember servant, servant of all. And guys, if we will position ourselves as servants, the Lord can use us the Lord can direct us. He will give us instructions. He will show us what to do. And so as Jesus encouraged his disciples, I want to encourage you to serve, to not be one who has come to be served, but to have a heart of Jesus. No, I've come to serve. I've come to give. I've come to lay down my life for others. I've come to what I've received from Jesus. Now I give to others the same comfort I've received from the Holy Spirit. Now I give to others. And so the first theme here is to serve. And the second is to receive, to receive. John 13, 20, Jesus says this. He says, very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. So here he's saying, well, the Father has sent me. And if you've received me, you've accepted me, then you've accepted the Father. And now I go and I send you. And whoever accepts you, accepts me, receives me because he is the, I am the one who has sent you. And we know ultimately he's talking about the Holy Spirit coming, who the comforter, the advocate, the one who would come. But I believe there's more application than just the Holy Spirit in this regard. That he's telling them, as you go and you do to others what I've done to you, that as others receive your ministry, accept you, that they're accepting the role that Jesus has had and in sending them. And in effect, they're receiving the ministry of Christ through his disciples that are going to go across the world and extend his kingdom. And as I was praying about this and looking, about, looking at this, I believe the Lord wanted me to remind you to have a heart of receptivity to have a heart to receive. Because verily, truly, whoever the Lord sends to you, when you accept him, you're accepting what the Lord is doing and what the Lord is initiating. You see, our governmental structure of our church is a modified Episcopal form of government, which means that the interim pastor, your next pastor is not... He's not going to be voted on. It's not a congregational style of government where different candidates will be presented and it's thumbs up or thumbs down. It's, it's not going to be a majority. It's not a democratic process. It's a process of the Lord moving upon our spiritual leaders, our bishops, if you'd want to call them that, our district supervisor, Sam, and the Lord preparing somebody to come to this place. And in our, our church culture, our American culture, it's a little bit different. And we might want to say, well, you know, I want to have a say in this. Now they will work with your counsel. They will work together. Um, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna find the right person. They are. But I felt like the Lord wanted me to prepare you to prepare. He wanted me to prepare you to prepare you to receive whom He is going to send. That this person is going to be sent as a gift to this body, as your new pastor. This isn't something that's just, it's not a political process. This is a God-ordained appointment from heaven. Just as I've been appointed here, just as I've served at the beckoning of Jesus under his appointment, under the great shepherd with the authority of the Foursquare Church, now my appointment is being moved. And there's somebody else that's going to be appointed here, starting with John. And, and I know there could be a human tendency to kind of sit there and be like, okay, well, we'll see how this plays out. I'll stick around, but we'll just kind of see. Hmm, verdict's kind of out. We'll just kind of, I don't know. And I can see how it would be easy to have a human response of, let's just wait and see. Uh, you know, a human response of to have your heart be guarded. And I want to challenge that this morning. I want to challenge you to receive the gift that God is giving to this church. To receive the gift of John Rusk as your interim pastor, and to recognize this isn't just a placeholder. This isn't just somebody who is filling up space till the real pastor comes. That this person is appointed by God to lead for the next three and a half months. Uh, That's probably about the timeframe. That's the commitment he's made, and that's what we've asked for is three and a half months till the end of the year. that it would be, he is here by God's initiative. And that our heart is not, well, we'll see. Our heart is, thank you, Jesus. Our heart is, Lord, we are here to receive. And Lord, if you're sending him, then we receive him because when we receive him, we're receiving you and your ministry, Jesus. And when you get your new permanent pastor, and I say permanent, I mean, nothing's ever permanent in this life. But the uh, uh, when you get your new lead pastor, I want to I just want to challenge you and encourage you to have a heart of receptivity. This person will be different than me. It won't be the same as me, but but it's going to be good. And and, and if you'll have a heart that's open, if you'll have a heart that's ready, if you'll say, Jesus, I believe you're in control. Jesus, this is your church, and, and you can do whatever you want with it. And if you're appointing this person, Lord, if you're putting this person here, then, Lord, I receive And I open my heart to all that you have. And I promise you, if you will do that, God will bless you. God will bless this church. God will bless the next season of this church. And so I just want to, instead of, if you had a picture in your mind, instead of having a heart like this, would you have a heart like this? And just say, Jesus, we receive the ministry you have for us. We trust you, Lord. We trust those that are spiritual leaders over us. Lord, we realize when we uh, submit, when we live under authority, that that gives us the ability to extend authority. And we trust you, Jesus, in this, this heart, this heart of receptivity. And then Jesus begins to talk to them about love, about love. John 13, 34, 35. A new command I give you. A, a new command? I mean, we know that, that Jesus is love. We know God is love, but this was a whole nother kind of love. This is a whole nother. This wasn't just loving those that love you. This is loving everyone. This is loving your enemies. This is agape love. This is a whole nother level of love. And Jesus says here, he goes, love one another as I have loved you. Just think about Jesus for a little bit. Just think about how he loved his disciples. How did he love them? I mean, he's getting ready to leave them. But you know, that was an act of love. It was an act of love that Jesus was leaving them because if he wouldn't have been, the next thing, the next season that God the Father had intended would be limited. So even his act of leaving, of obeying his Father, was an act of love. Even though they couldn't see it, even though they couldn't recognize it. He loved them. By leaving them and getting alone on the mountains to pray, right? you remember that? He was totally always, he was so often disappointing his disciples. They, were, they, had, uh, they had expectations of him that he didn't meet. But yet his love for them was unparalleled. They didn't have his perspective. They didn't, even his parents, right? At 12, they're like, Where are you? What are you doing, Jesus? He's like, I'm, a, I'm about my father's business. They're like, well, no, you're supposed to be doing this. He's, no, no, I'm I'm doing what the Lord's asked me to do. You'll, you'll, you'll see someday. You'll you'll understand. And they called them to love each other as he has loved. I mean, he is about to go to the cross. He's about to be executed he's about to be killed, and and he said, love each other as I have loved you. Be willing to lay down your life for those around you. Love one another as I have loved you because this is how people are going to know you're my disciples. It's by love. That's how people are going to know. It's by love. It's, It's not by your doctrine. It's not by your passion. It's not by your worship. It's not by your music. It's not by your buildings. It's by your love. It's by your love. In, in our, one of our early morning prayer times last week, Glenna Floxtra Um, who I would be having share this if she was here, but she's on vacation in North Dakota. Uh, Her and Gary are leading our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality class this fall. We were talking about love, and and she read this definition I'm going to show you of agape love, which is a love that Jesus had. It's a a love that's not just human love. It's not just trying to, you ever been like, okay, I'm really going to try to love that person, right? I'm going to love them. Don't know if I like them, but bless God, I'm going to love them. That human trying, that's not what this is. This is being so full of the love of God that it flows out of, just as we've received love from the Father, now we can give love to others. Here's, I'm going to read this definition to you. It's from Barclay's Dictionary of New Testament words. Agape, this is the word we're talking about, agape love, this, this, this divine love. It is the Spirit which says, no matter what any man does to me, I will never seek to do him harm. I mean, oh, that, now that's love, isn't it? I'm going to read that. That's worth reading again. No matter what any man does to me, I will never seek to do harm to him. I will never set out for revenge. Whew. Remember 1 Corinthians 13, love doesn't keep records of wrong. Love doesn't keep score, doesn't keep count. I will never set out for revenge. I will always seek nothing, but his highest good. That's what agape love is. is seeking the highest good of those around you. What is best for them? What's their highest good? That is to say, Christian love, agape, agape is a Greek word for love, agape is unconquerable benevolence. I mean, don't you love that? I mean, that's a strong word. Invincible good will. Ah, I love that. It is a principle, By which we deliberately live. It is a deliberate principle of the mind and a deliberate conquest and achievement of the will. It is not simply a wave of emotion. It is a conviction of the mind issuing from a deliberate achievement and conquest and victory of the will. That we have the mind of Christ. That we know who we are in Jesus. And because we know of who we are in Jesus, our identity we have in him. That now we are able to love those around us. Jesus talked about more than what I, I talked about today. But he reminds us to serve, that will we be servants? Will we be people who serve? Will we be people who receive all that the Lord has for us? And will we be people of love? That would, this would be known as a church of love, a loving church. That, because doesn't love displace fear? It does. It displaces it. It drives it out that when there's love, fear just doesn't have a shot. And so as you guys are in this next season, the way, the best way you can navigate this is love. To love each other, love each other, love each other. And as you do, the fear will dissipate. The unknown will dissipate and you will bask. God is going to do some things in this church over the next three or four months that would be impossible to do if things weren't set up the way they are. And you wouldn't be able to move into the future you have and what he intends unless you were to walk through this season of what we've had over the summer with the sabbatical and then what you guys are about to go into. This isn't accident. This isn't by chance. This isn't human orchestrated. God is refining this church. God is working in this church. God is setting this church up for your future. And this is important that we all like jump in on all that God has because he is preparing you for what he has next. And, and, and if you have a, a heart of servitude, you have a heart of receptivity. If you have a heart of love, I mean, that's what he wanted his disciples to have for them to transition into the future that he had for them. And I love the way that Jesus did. He did this by serving, by giving and by loving. And so I want to pray for you this morning. Worship team, would you guys come up as I pray? Lord, I pray for this church. Lord, as my season as the lead shepherd here is, is, is coming to a close. I, uh, Lord, I feel your heart of what you felt, to some degree, Lord, of wanting those things that truly matter, that truly last, to be steadfast in hearts and lives. That the distractions of this world, the things that don't really matter, is not what would, at the end of the day, rule and reign. But Lord, it would be your principles, it would be your heart, it would be all that you intend for your people. And so I ask for that today, Lord. Lord, I pray for supernatural grace upon this congregation as she moves into your future, Lord, that, Lord, you have not given this church a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And so, Lord, we do not face the future with timidity, but, Lord, we say, Jesus, bring it on. It's going to be good. It's going to be beautiful. We know you are in this place, Jesus, and we receive our hearts. We prepare our hearts to receive, Lord, all that you intend for us. If that's your prayer, if you believe it, on the count of three, let me hear a big amen. One, two, three. Amen. Amen. We We trust that this teaching made a difference in your life. If you would like more information on giving your life to Jesus, visit us on the web at grace417.com. Thank you for joining us, and we pray you have a blessed day.